0: Okay. Good morning. and It's great to be with you this morning and um, we've, I've come down for our CRC conference which is our family of churches that we're part of that we get together uh, once a year for our pastors and leaders and different things like that. So we've just had an amazing time at conference together um, and I'm heading back to Cairns tomorrow where um, my wife and family is but this morning I'm very excited and very proud dad this morning. My son, James, who uh, some of you remember him probably like this, who um, was 17, doing grade 12. He's preaching in our Cairns church this morning for the very first time. So it was meant to be a tag team effort, so he was going to do half, and the, uh, another guy, was one of the youth leaders, was going to do the other half. And um, the youth leader's wife decided that she was going to have her baby just right this week, and he thought he had time. He said yes, but then earlier in the week he bailed because... There was action happening, so James got the call saying, mate, you're it, um, so go for it. So he's got the um, his first sermon, so uh, very excited about that, so uh, very proud of him. So I'm a proud dad this morning, although I'm not there to hear him preach, but because um, all our pastors are down here. Um, so we were talking and said, well, mate, don't feel bad that you're on because nobody else is there. Actually, take hold of the opportunity, and it's not something that we actually... We do believe that you have got the gift of preach, but when everybody else is there, um, we all take the opportunities. Um, But in our absence, it just creates this opportunity for him to step into and take hold and have a go, and um, I'm sure he'll do fine. But uh, he's done communion at church many times and other things. So, yeah, so very excited about that. Also, just to let you know, um, as you've been through a time of transition and change over the last few months, uh, you've definitely been in my prayers and thoughts um, so really been praying for you and thinking of you all as you have gone through that time. bit of an unexpected change, but um, somehow in the midst of it, God is at work. Hallelujah. Um, there we go. Um, I'm going to just show you a few photos. Uh, first, this is um, Pastor Andrew's church, from church in Myanmar. Uh, as a church, you support the uh, Pastor Andrew's Bible College that he runs, Shiloh Bible College. But um, in August, myself... Uh, David Wright, who's the pastor of the church in Cairns, and Pastor Barry um, went into Myanmar just to set some plans for the next few years and just get our relationship with Andrew worked out and different things. But uh, this is his church. His church is doing very well. Um, it'd be great if some of you could go and visit him sometime soon. Not a long way away, but soon that would be great. So, um, but his church is growing well. I know I hadn't been to Myanmar for probably about 18 months and going back to his church, his church has grown and it's full of young people and university students. So he's doing an amazing job in their local church. So his wife is the uh, Marilyn, is the one in pink at the front there. Some of you will remember her as she's come and visited you over the years. He wasn't able to come to the conference this year. He wanted to, but can't because both his father and her father are living with them, and they're both um, quite sick. So he has a heavy responsibility just looking after them at this time. So he wasn't able to attend conference. But um, yeah, I can look here, can't I? Um, That's the whole heap of the children that go to his church. Um, So they don't come in for the service um, at the start, they're out from the beginning because they just don't have space to have all those children in the service as well, uh, right from the beginning, but they always come in and do an item or a scripture or something during part of the service, so they've got a a significant children's ministry attached to the church, Um, beautiful, great bunch of kids. Um, That photo is uh, a photo of the 35 students that Andrew has as part of Shiloh, and you directly facilitate those those students being trained, um, you're giving to the work there. And Andrew, you help him pay for his rent for the buildings and the facilities that he has there. Uh, so it's fantastic what you are what you're involved with. It is bearing fruit and continues to bear fruit. And um, so we just had a day, two days with the students, and we're able to share with them and minister to them. But they're a great bunch of young people. Um, in fact, while we were there, we found out two of his students are from Vietnam. Um, so they've actually made their way across the border and through and somehow got there to, to be part of his Bible school. We asked them, how did you, well through translators, they don't speak English at all, but asked them how they got there and we just said, oh, the Lord spoke to us and we heard about this guy, so they came all the way to, um, to Mandalay to do their, their training, so that's uh, exciting. So hopefully out of that we'll have uh, some contact and be able to do some ministry into um, Vietnam. So Although you're not directly thinking you're impacting Vietnam, who knows what these two young guys from villages in the outback of the remoter areas of Vietnam um, will go back and do. So your giving actually even contributes to that. So that's very exciting. Um, This photo is of me in India. um, And this photo was taken um, about three weeks ago. Um, But we have a Bible school right on the India-Myanmar border in a place called Infal. If you know your war history, the Japanese almost got to Info uh, in World War II, um, but they were pushed back from there. But they actually fought for the the, the town of Info, um, and that was as far as the, the Japanese got, and they were pushed back from there. But we've started a Bible school or a, an evangelism training school right on the border there um, in June this year, and we've got 12 students who are 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, um, so I go there, and um, You'll see my daughter up the back there, she's 14, she's in that picture, she came with me to India for the first time, so uh, that was wonderful to be able to take her with me. But we, we're going to next year, plant a church on the, the border town where you cross the border from India to Myanmar, and um, that town is actually split by the border, so the town is on both sides of the border, but we're going to start a, a, a church there, plant a rent a building and um, send some of these students and some others there to plant the church. Um, but with the, the idea that these students and two of the girls and one of the boys actually want to, to do pioneering and evangelism work into the the Chin State, which borders, uh, borders India, so back into Myanmar. Uh, so that's very exciting for us. We also are going to get Biaka, who runs our uh, works for Pastor Andrew, one of his staff at the Bible School. Um, but during their break, he runs the Evangelism Discipleship Training School for us, the the part that Cairns Church is linked in with in Myanmar, Um, he runs that for us. We're going to bring him over in November to lecture in this Bible school for us. So we're trying to get connection between the work in India and Myanmar and just see the strategic nature of that and being able to have um, yeah connection between the two nations. So that's very, very exciting for us. Um, Also, just to let you know, for Myanmar... um, Over the last few years, we've been running a three-month evangelism and discipleship school. We're only going to run that once next year. Um, And we're going to do three one-month schools out in the interior parts of Myanmar. Um, So instead of having everyone come in, we're going to go out and hopefully be able to touch more people by running the three-month school. So if any of you are interested, let me know. Um, But the first one of those will be in uh, March. And then we're planning to do a couple of other schools like that as well around Um, around the nation. So working very closely with um, Pastor Andrew. So, um, yeah, there's a glimpse of just some things that are happening with what you're involved with. So I just want to say a big thank you to what you're doing on behalf of Pastor Andrew. Um, But it is bearing fruit. Uh, And your giving and your finance is um, producing fruit. It's producing disciples um, who are then going out into churches to do ministry, planting churches. And so you're having a significant impact in a nation that desperately needs the gospel. Um, you're all aware of the things that are happening in in the Rakhine with the Rohingya people. Um, desperately evil things that are taking place, but uh, they need the gospel um, to bring about a radical change to people's hearts, so that forgiveness and reconciliation could take place. Hallelujah! So, also just a big thank you for your support of um, Sondra and I for my travel. Um, I couldn't go to Myanmar and India and these places without churches helping with my travel costs and as a church, you um you do that. So thank you very much for that as well. Um, but just a last challenge: love to see some of you at some stage uh, get a team together and come to come to Myanmar and do a visit, do a trip. And um, I know David has been over the last has been before, and David Smythe had been uh, many times before, and some of you may have gone with him on trips. Um, but it'd be great to see some teams from here go over and have some input and visit Andrew and the team and just see, see the work and see the great things that, um, that are happening in there and how your finance is contributing to, to the, the amazing work there. Hallelujah. So I think that's enough of the, um, the slideshow. I could talk about India and Myanmar for, for a long time. Many great stories and many great things that are happening there. But um, this morning I felt to just share with you from a story in um, Luke chapter 5 and it's the story where Jesus is in a boat, and he tells, or he's on the shore and he's preaching, and the crowd's so big, so he hops in a boat um, on the shore and just says, "Just push me out a little bit, so I can actually preach to the crowd from the boat." I'd love to do that one day, but I don't see it just as sort of a little tinny. I see no one big luxury cruiser that I'm sitting on the shore <laughs> preaching to the crowds. Wouldn't you love to love to do that? But Jesus is there from this boat, uh, preaching to the crowds. Um, and then he says to, to um, Simon, Peter, he says, push out deeper. Push out into the deep. Go out into the deep and throw your nets over the side of the boat. So his response is, well, Master, yes, because you said I, I'll do that. Um, and you all know the story. It's a Sunday school story. If you don't know the story, it's a very common story. You've heard it preached many times. But he does it. And I, when he says master there in that story, I hear him not going like, yes, boss, yes, master, yep. I hear a sort of a tone in his voice of going, master, like really a questioning master, not a, an obedient, yes, boss, you're in charge, I'm out there. And he says, master, we've been fishing all night and we didn't catch any fish. He's really saying, you're the carpenter, you work with your hands, you don't know a thing about fishing. Um, I'm the fisherman, and I've been out there all night, and I know how to fish, and if I didn't catch anything, there's no fish out there to be caught. Um, So he's really questioning the instruction. But then he says, well, because you say, because of your word, because of your instruction, I'll do it. And then they go out and cast their nets over the, out of the boat. They pull in this massive catch. They have to call their other friends in the other boat to come and they fill up both boats. Um, and then it goes on to say, well, Simon was, fell at the feet of Jesus and said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to have you around me because I'm so sinful and you're, you're, you're amazing. Um, and it says that he was awestruck by Jesus in one translation. He was amazed by Jesus. He was astonished by Jesus. And he said, go away. And Jesus said, well, I'm not doing that. I want you to come with me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to make you a fisherman of people. And then he um he goes on and they all leave their, says they left all their nets and followed Christ. They left everything. I see this as a little object lesson for Peter um, in pushing out into the deep. So he was... So I want you to push out into the deep in your life, Peter. So the actual story for me is an object lesson. We do object lessons in our our Sunday school or our kids' program in Cairns, and we do this little life application, little thing about life that actually has a spiritual meaning. So for Peter, I see this as God giving him or Jesus giving him a little object lesson about pushing out into the deep. Pushing out into the deep water to catch the fist was just a picture of the true pushing out of the deep for his life, which was to follow Christ, which to follow closely behind Christ, which was the true pushing out, which was the deep water that Christ had for him, was to push out into the depths for him, was to follow him, was to leave everything and walk closely behind him. So what can we learn from this little object lesson for our lives of pushing out into the deep? And maybe you can feel like, feel like Peter, well, I've pushed out into the deep and I'm tired and I'm weary and I've done it all before and I know all this stuff, but it hasn't worked and I'm tired and I've had enough and Jesus, I'm quite happy where I am maybe, um, but as we follow Christ, I know I've been following Christ for 30 years, I was po- talking to David Smythe and he baptised me as a 13 year old um, and now I can say that was 30 years ago, so... Um, You can't believe that, looking at me, you can't believe that that I'm that old. old. Maybe the glasses, when I hit 40 I had to get glasses, but anyway. um, But, you know, along the journey of following Christ, it is a constant journey of continuing to follow him and push out into the deep. It doesn't stop. Life is full of times where we need to push out. So here's some things that, from this story. You can probably pick up others. You've probably heard many stories from this passage. I just want to look at just a couple for me that I feel are relevant for us today. Um, if we're going to push out into the deep and continue to push out into the deep. We need to obey the word of Jesus, being obedient to the word, being obedient to the voice of God. So for Peter, that obedience was to overcome his logic. His logic says, "Is I have worked or hard, there is no fish out there. There is nothing out there. But Lord, because you said, I will obey. What are you doing just because the Lord said? Just because you say, Lord, in the rational, in the logic, in, um, in the, the normal way, the philosophies of the workplace that I live work in or the school or my upbringing or my training, that doesn't make sense. But because you say, Lord, I will obey. Well, Lord, I've done it before. I've done that before, Jesus. And it didn't work then. But now he's saying, well, push out again. Throw your nets over again. But because of the voice of the Lord, responding in obedience to Christ. And this is not just that time of salvation. It's not just for new Christians. I know for me, 30 years along in the journey, still having to listen to his voice and obey. But God, I've done that before. No, I want you to obey me. I want you to follow my steps. I want you to hear my voice and obey. Obviously, the Word of God is our number one place to hear the voice of God, the number one place of obedience. But then there's those promptings that we get along the way that sometimes we resist. Sometimes we say, "I oh, we'll just put that on hold. But the need for us to obey His Word and to obey His voice, and I know that as you go through a time of transition and change, The Lord is speaking to some of you of things that you can pick up, things that you can get involved with, things that you may have done before, and now he's saying do it again. So for me, as someone in their 40s who's been um, preaching and doing adult ministry for a long time, when I got back to Cairns, the Lord said, get involved in children's ministry. I don't want to do children's ministry. I'm not a children's pastor. I don't do children's ministry. It's not something that I do. I haven't done heaps of it. But God said, get involved in there in our kids' outreach in Cairns, and as a family, we do that. Um, so I get to, on Friday nights, tell stories to kids and see their lives touched, and we're seeing numbers of them come to Christ. But in the natural, I'd say, no, I'm, I'll, I'll just preach to the adults. But God said, do this. So I humbled myself, because it's not the glamorous stuff. Um, for me, you're sort of the adults, and that's where I like to be. That's my comfort zone. Um, but God said, no, go there. Um, so, but listening to that voice and obeying. If we're going to push out into the deep, if we're going to continue that closeness in the word and closeness with Christ, we need to be people who obey. Another part of this story that I see that Jesus turns failure into a fresh start. Their night of failure, their night of lack of fruitfulness, their night of being unsuccessful, there was no doubts about it. They'd come home empty. They'd brought the fish in, they'd brought, sorry, they brought the boats in, they'd brought the nets in, they'd cleaned it all up. They had no fish. They had been unfruitful, they'd failed at that night. But our Jesus, isn't he awesome? He turned something that was actually a failure into a fresh start. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. You're saying, man, I'm not going to do that, I've failed at that, that hasn't worked. But Jesus has this awesome capacity to turn our failures into fresh starts. I'm very grateful for a God like that because I've messed it up along the way many times. Thought something was of God and thought that might work, but no, it didn't work out. But God turns our failures, our disappointments, our discouragements into a fresh start. So maybe for today, some of you are saying, no, I need a fresh start. There's been some disappointments or discouragements or things that haven't worked out had you liked or you'd expected." God said, so I'm going to turn that around into a fresh start for you. What a Jesus we have. What a God we have. Doesn't wipe us out. Jesus is interested in your daily needs. Man, sometimes we look at God and Jesus and think, Jesus, you are interested in the big, the spectacular, the amazing, um, all the big things, yep. But God was interested in Their small daily needs The fact that they came home with no fish This is their job So basically they've worked all night They've got no pay for the day They've come home without food for their family Without provision for their family Without provision for their needs They had missed it So that day they were either going to go hungry Or they weren't going to be able to pay the bills Or do the things that they need Jesus was so interested in that Their daily need You know, as we travel, we want to keep pushing out into the deep. We need to realize, Jesus, you are interested in the small things in my life. You're interested in the daily needs of my life. And quite often we think about Jesus being interested in the the big things. But he's also interested in the small things. Pastor Barry Silverback, who I work for, we're in Papua New Guinea, and he came up up there and preached this sermon about uh, there's nothing too big and nothing too small to bring to God. So sometimes we go, God, my things are so small. Why would you be interested in my little things? The small things of my life, I'll just sort them out myself. God, you wouldn't even be interested in them. But God is interested. God is interested in every part of your life. And we can bring him the big things, but we can also bring him the the small things. Um, And quite often we have no problem bringing him the big problems, but the small ones we just try and cover them ourselves. But Jesus is interested in the small things. So Pastor Barry had preached that sermon on Sunday, and the next day we hopped in a plane and flew uh, to the Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia border, and we jumped in a vehicle that someone had we'd arranged for us, and they'd prepared it, and we were heading to the border to get across the border. Our flight had been delayed, so we didn't have much time before the border closed, and we're heading towards the border, and we get a flat tire. So we look at our watches, no problem, we've got time. Um, we can get that tyre changed, get it back on and still get to the border in time, we're okay. Uh, we get out of the car, on the back of this nice big 4 drive, there's this spare tyre, um, then we search the car, no jack, no wheel brace, nothing. So we've got meetings planned for that night in Indonesia, and people to meet with, and we've got a program, and we're on a tight schedule to be back to, to go across and everything else, and um, so we hop out of the... The vehicle and he looks at me and says, I'm going into the bush. He was going to take a, a leak behind a tree. Um, and he said to me, nothing too, just pray, nothing too big, nothing too small. God knows. Uh, so he went and um, took a leak behind the tree and I prayed and he, um, and as I prayed, God, we need to get to the border. And by this time, as the border is closing, all the vehicles from the, go from the border to the town. They don't come from the town in because it's too late for people to wanting to be crossing and getting through so we were kind of the last people through and as we're there this empty vehicle comes along so we wave it down we jump in that say goodbye to our friends and say guys you can sort yourselves out Um, and we head off to the border and get across but just that little need that we had in that moment in one sense so small but God was there God is interested in the small things in your life as well You might think, oh, that's too small. God's so big and he's got the problems of the world to worry about, but he is interested in the small daily needs of your life. And as we remember that and we keep bringing him into those daily needs that we have, I think it continues us to go deeper, to go into the fullness and all that he has for us. It reminds us of his goodness and his kindness towards us. So if you've got some needs today, bring them to God. You might think, oh God, they're too small for you, for you to be worried about. No, he's interested. God is interested in your daily needs. Being awestruck by Jesus. A New Living Translation says that Peter fell at the knees of Jesus and he was just awestruck by who Jesus was. Not losing your wow about Jesus. So easy as we travel the journey of following Christ to just get so familiar with Him and so used to Him that we can lose that being awestruck by Christ, being awestruck by Jesus, being amazed by what, who He is and what He has done for us. And it says a bit further on in that, um, that the disciples, the others were amazed by Jesus. When was the last time that you looked at Jesus and just went, wow, you were just amazed by Him? Just God, oh, you're so amazing. In September, I took Alyssa to India with me, and on the way back, we had 12 hours at the airport, so I said, well, let's make that 24 hours, and we'll go into Singapore and have a look around. We'll spend the night in Singapore. We had to get a hotel anyway, so I said, well, let's stay a bit longer and have a look around Singapore. And um, for my little girl, she she grew up in Papua New Guinea and then has lived in Cairns, Um, but to go to Singapore in a big city, her biggest city that she's ever seen is Adelaide, um, so to go to Singapore was just another thing for her. Um, so we went into Singapore, and I don't know how many times I heard her just say, wow, that's amazing, look at that. And um, yeah, so yeah, we? what happened? There we go. So we got up on this sky bridge, and she was just going, wow, this is amazing. Seeing things that she'd never seen before, seeing buildings that... Not Adelaide. Oh, sorry, I should say Adelaide. Not buildings that were designed by engineers that are boxes with small windows, because that's the most cost-effective way to do it. They've actually put a whole heap of money into the architecture and being impressive. But you know, the, the Gardens by the Bay there, and that amazing hotel. Um, so she was just walking around every all the time, saying, "Wow, wow, wow." Um, and then um, oh, we got on a boat, little boat. Anyone who's been to Singapore, you know Clark Key and Boat Key, and we got on a little taxi boat around there and had a look for about an hour. But as we were going past, the moon came between the buildings. We we're going, wow, wow, we're snapping photos and everybody on the boat's all excited and going amazed and everything else. But it was just an opportunity to take Alyssa to see things she'd never seen before. And she was totally amazed. But as we were travelling around, it became very obvious that there was a whole heap of people who um, live in Singapore all the time. And... Um, their heads were down. They were just going around their normal life, doing their normal things. They weren't being amazed by the city that they live in. They weren't being amazed by the buildings that they see because they see it every day. So easy to become so familiar with something that you're not amazed by it. I know when we lived in Adelaide, we lived just a couple of minutes from the beach and you'd probably count on our hand just half a dozen times or, you know, a year that we would get to the beach. Now every time we come down, we want to get to the beach, we want to see it, we want to be there. Um, but when something's so familiar, we can lose our awe of it. We can lose the fact of being astonished by by it. We can do the same thing with Jesus. That because we become can become so familiar with him that we lose that. And the scriptures tell us a story where Jesus went back to his own village. Went back to his own town and was preaching there. He'd been to all other places and healed all the sick and done amazing miracles and seen amazing things take place. But goes back to his own place and there the people see him and we know you. We know who you are. We know your mother. We know your father. The scriptures tell us. They said, well, we know you. We know your dad and we know your mum. So what they're saying is, your dad and mum Before they were married, you were born. We know stuff about you. We know your history. We know who you are. Either your mother fooled around or your your father and your mother got involved before they got married. And now you're an illegitimate child. Who are you to come here? Then they say, we know your brothers. We know who you grew up with. You're just normal. You're just like the rest of us. You're just from this place. Who are you, Jesus, to preach to us? Who are you to do miracles amongst us? You're nobody special. We know you. You grew up with us. You came and had dinner at our house. You had a cup of tea with us. You drank with us. We gave you cold water. We, you, you, we know you. And your sisters, they're married to our boys. We know your sisters. They're married to our own children. And it says Jesus could not do many miracles there because they were just so familiar with him. We have that danger. For those of us who have been in the faith for a long time, it can stop us from going into the deep, deeper. It can stop us from going further with Christ if we just become so familiar with Him. So don't lose the wow factor in your life. When was the last time God amazed you? And maybe you're going through a dry time and you think, God, I haven't been amazed by you for some time. I'm not trying here to condemn you or judge you, but encourage you to draw close to Him. And we live in a world where we look at our own lives and it can become so normal. What our life, there's nothing amazing about my life. And maybe you jump on Facebook and you, you see all your, your friends and the, sorry, Facebook's like this, isn't it? It's other things you go sideways, but um, Facebook, you go up um, and you just, you're scrolling through your page and you're just seeing all these amazing things that everybody else is doing. And then you look at your own life and think, man, my life is, they're doing amazing things and my life is just this pretty drab, normal thing. Maybe mothers, you're looking at other people, their photos of their kids, and they're all looking at the camera and they look immaculate. And you turn around and look at your kids that are in a mess and food's everywhere and the house is, you know, they've destroyed everything. You think, man. Um, but it happens. Facebook, which was actually meant to bring people closer together, they're actually starting to realize that that comparing is actually creating uh, loneliness inside of people, it's creating jealousy inside of people. That we're so often comparing our lives to somebody else and just think ours is so boring and not so exciting. The other thing it does, just a bit off track, but the other thing that Facebook does or social media stuff can do um, is actually realise how many things we're not invited to. Are these people having the coffee together? Why didn't they invite me? There was a party on last night and I didn't get invited and I missed out. And actually can cause us to feel jealous and feel like we're missing out on so much in life because all these other people are getting together doing all this stuff and we're just, we didn't get included. And they're actually saying it's causing great depths of um, mental health issues and loneliness and uh, issues for people in their lives. Um, Something that was actually promoted to bring together is actually causing great social issues. Um, I'm on Facebook and it's a great tool to connect and all sorts of things, but we need to watch our hearts in it that we don't end up comparing ourselves. but um, Because we can look at our life and go, well, what's amazing about it? But you've got Christ in your life. You've got Jesus in your life. And that the fact that he, the creator of heaven and earth, decided to come down and be part of your life, that's worth getting excited about. That's worth being amazed about. In Romans 2, verse 4, it says, God's kindness leads us to repentance. And that was what was happening for Peter. Peter who fell at the feet of Jesus and said, you're so amazing, go away from me. The goodness of God, the favour of God caused him to repent. So the goodness of God, remember his goodness on your life. Let it bring you to a place of repentance. Let it bring you to a place of saying, God, I don't deserve you, but I need more of you in my life. God, I want more of you in my life so I can go deeper with you, so I can stay closer with you, so I can continue to push along that path that you have for me of following you to wherever you want me to be. Another thing I see here is following Jesus means leaving stuff behind. To follow Jesus, to go deeper with Jesus, you have to leave some stuff behind. In this passage, it says that they left everything behind and followed Jesus. Maybe you don't have to leave everything. But I think that, that heart attitude, saying, well, I'm willing to leave some things behind. If we want to go out deeper, if we want to be in that, a place where we're following closely behind Christ, there's so many scriptures that say we've got to leave some stuff behind. And maybe those things for you aren't actual physical things. For me and Sondra, it did mean leaving Adelaide and going to Papua New Guinea. We went from one of, on the list of livable cities in the world, we went from one of the top ten to the bottom one or two. It's got to number five now in terms of least livable cities in the world, Port Moresby. Um, So it's going up, it's improving, it's got off the bottom. um, So it's on the way up, it's not getting the wooden spoon anymore. Um, But we had to actually do that. For us, that was the journey, being willing to live Leave one of the most livable cities in the world to go to one of the least livable cities in the world. Um, But that may not be what you need to leave behind. Maybe you need to leave behind some past failures, some past disappointments, some discouragement. Maybe you need to leave behind some negative thinking or some critical talk or um, even maybe leave some weariness behind. God, I've been at this a long time and I'm just weary and tired. For the disciples to push out into the deep, they had to leave the fact that they were tired on the shore and push out again. They'd been hard at work. They were clean. They were ready for tomorrow. And Jesus says, get back in the boat and go out again. And maybe you feel weary and tired. and You're saying, well, no, I'm I'm good. Maybe we need to leave something behind, whatever that is for you. Uh, But if we're going to push out into the deep, if we're going to know those deep waters where the great miracles happen, It's out in the deep waters. If they'd stayed by the shore, they never would have got the miracle catch. If we stay in the shallow waters, we never really get the fullness of what God has for us. But it means leaving some stuff behind and the journey of following Christ. Whether you're young or old or been at it for a long time or new at it, it always, at some point, it means that we've got to leave something behind, whatever that is for you. Um, And I know for this church, God has a great future for for you as a church, but it may mean leaving some stuff behind. I pray that one day you get to leave this building behind. I know that many of you, that's your prayer. You're sort of you wanting to think, oh yeah, we need to move into our own place or move into that, but whether that's it. But for each one of us, for collectively, but individually, there's stuff that we need to leave behind and um, to continue on into those deep waters that Christ has for us. Moving into the, that miracle place, that miraculous place, that place where we allow Jesus to amaze us, that place where Jesus just turns up. Where Jesus, if you don't turn up, this is going to be an epic failure. This ain't going to work unless you turn up. But Jesus leads us to those places at times where we have to leave something behind. So I encourage you to be ready to let go. I- Abraham had to be willing to let go of his son Isaac, the very precious gift from God, the answer to his prayer and the longing of his heart, but he had to be willing to let go. And God gave gave his son back to him. Stop, but Abraham was willing. Okay, I will do what you've asked me to do. So Jesus is truly amazing, and he is. He is truly amazing. So my key thought for us this morning is, do you need to push out into the deep again? Maybe you're staying in the shallows, and Jesus is saying, come on, push out into the deep. It's going to take some effort, it's going to take some energy, but are you, in a, are you willing to push out again? Push out into the deeper waters again? And being amazed by Jesus. When was the last time you were amazed by Jesus. I've been a pastor for a long time and I know it gets easy to get to a place where you just think, man, I'm just going through the motions. Jesus, I need you to turn up in something here. But I've been a Christian for a while and you think, man, this is not amazing anymore. This is just routine. Um, but ensuring that we actually create space for him to amaze us, to astound us. In the big things, but also in the small things. Amen. Let's pray together. I'll ask the musicians to come as I lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this story, which is a wonderful object lesson about pushing out into the deep. And Lord, we see how they obeyed you and got a wonderful miracle catch. But Father, I just see this as a, story, as a picture for these men of what it was to follow you, the ultimate area of pushing out into the deep for them was really to follow you. Father, I pray for each one of us that as we've heard your, your word this morning, that we would also hear your voice and that's saying, well, it's time to push out deeper again. I want you to push out deeper in this area. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you speak. You take my words and filter them and Get them clear so that each person will say, yeah, this is the area where God is asking me to push out into the deep again. Whether it's pushing into the reading of the word again, whether it's push, willing to step out and believe for miracles, whether it's believing you, Lord, for the operating of the gifts, or whether it's in work or the, a provision of a need, Lord Jesus, or whether it's a family circumstance where things haven't broken through, but they'd push out again, they'd push out into the deep again and believe you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would just be amazed by you, that we would just see you and what you have done in our lives and just go, wow, what a privilege it is to be a child of God. How amazing you are. And God, we just want to be continually amazed by you. Lord, I pray that that being amazed by you, being amazed by your kindness would constantly lead us to a place of repentance, a place of readjusting our lives. So God, I just need to readjust. I need to realign because we're constantly amazed by your goodness and your favour upon our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The musicians are going to lead us in a song. As they lead us, You talk to the Lord. Let Jesus talk to you. If there's an area where you think, man, I need to push out into the deep again. I'm staying in the shallows. I'm staying close to the shore because it's safe and secure. But Jesus is saying it's time to push out. Then you push out. Step out. Make a commitment. God, I'm going to obey you. And if you're just saying, man, I need to amaze by you, look to Jesus, allow Him to amaze you today and remind you of His grace and His favour and His awesome kindness upon you. Isn't it amazing to be a child of God? It is truly amazing that the God of heaven and earth would come and be part of our life. But as we do that and as we sing, if you would like uh, myself or the prayer ministry team here to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. If you need a miracle and you're sick and you want someone to stand with you in prayer, love to do that or if you think things are dry and you want someone to pray with you and say Jesus I haven't been amazed by you for a long time I've just settled and you want someone just to pray and believe with you love to pray with you or if you want to by faith declare no I'm stepping out I've got an area and it's just coming down the front as you a de- declaration this area God has spoken to me I'm going to step out in this and you want to come and stand here and have someone pray with you love to, love to pray for you so let's sing together and and Talk to the Lord and let Him talk to you as you sing these beautiful words.